Welcome to episode 620 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. And we are back after another break. Let's not get into it. Instead, let's get into some feedback. And we have uh, two items of feedback that were sent to us. Where? Entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. And I think one of these people even just used the contact form over at the website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com. Wow. Old school. Old school. All right. So the first one is from Gary, longtime listener and feedbacker. It's not a word. <laughs> All right. Gary says he has three topics for us. On TV calibration, CNET recently did a step-through article on using video test patterns that are available on Netflix. Just add them to your watch list, and you're no longer a slave to Apple TV or Pixar. <laughs> he says Blu-rays and DVDs, uh, although I'm not sure if you need blue and red lenses to do a proper job. I don't know anything about blue and red lenses to do a proper calibration job. Neither do I. I, when John helped calibrate my television, we used test files that were actually from downloaded from the internet. And I just put them on my Plex server and we accessed them that way. It's really nice that Netflix has something that you can now, I guess, run and maybe pause in different places to do the diff- different tests. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. His second topic on cable bills. They are the devil. And unfortunately we bracket creep. He says that's a tax term. Remember Gary's in Australia. He has some different uh, words and phrases for things than we regularly use in the U S he says, uh, we bracket creep in streaming prices that seem to reflect actors and production houses astronomical salaries rather than inflation. (laughs) (laughs) The one that really hurt was Amazon video. I'm sure like everything, the new rule is annualized price rises, increases, whatever. Wow. Wow. Can you, wow. How would you react, Josh, if your media services bump their price up every single year? I think I would react the way that uh, I I always react because that's basically what happens nowadays. It's not quite that bad. Uh, it's not quite <laughs> like it's close, but it, I, I think it's harder for me to keep perspective on it because every few episodes we are talking about some other service increasing its price. So it seems like it is every year. Yeah. It's not quite every year though. Yeah. It's Probably every other year for most of the regular streaming services, the cable TV replacement type services, the YouTube TVs, Hulu with live TV, those sorts of services, they are basically increasing in price every single year. But like Netflix and Disney Plus and stuff like that, it's not quite every year. And again, it's a perspective thing because while we were both convinced that YouTube had upped their prices just a year ago, they actually really hadn't. It was different services that had changed prices and they were kind of catching up. They did change, I believe, some of their 
differences in their tiers, but it's, you know, it, it, it seems like it's constantly changing. I think you're right because we're constantly reporting on it. I would probably end up dropping some stuff if it's going to go up every single year. And I know that's hard to believe because I'm the, I have everything person, but the reason that I have CBS is because I have Showtime. The reason that I have Peacock is because it's free through American Express. The reason that I have Paramount. No, I already said that one. Um, the reason that I have uh, um, Max is because I have AT&T. And if I had to pay for all of those individually, I don't know that I would. Yeah, I'm actually considering dropping our Disney Plus bundle for a little while. Because How you do that? You have kids. Well, they haven't been watching Disney stuff all that often lately. They No one ever watches Hulu in my house. And I only have the ESPN bundle for hockey. And hockey doesn't come back until October. And we've recently subscribed to, well, when we subscribed, it was HBO Max. Spoiler for future story tonight. Uh, so. You know, that's 16 bucks a month. Uh, if I dropped the Disney bundle, that would almost cover it. Yeah. So I don't know. Th- th- these things do increase a lot. It's not quite annualized, but it's close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lastly, he says, finally, on laser etching kits, because Richard mentioned in the last episode that he recently got into laser etching, perhaps there's a chance for a new career for Richard in tattoo and sunspot removal. Maybe you can get rid of that embarrassing gang affiliation tattoo that you've kept secret for so long. Who told him? (laughs) Ouch, this sounds very painful. I don't ever want my skin under this laser or the knife that it also has. No. Thank Mm. you. It's an interesting suggestion. I'll take it under advisement. There have to be YouTube videos of someone using a laser etcher on their skin. Oh, I I do not. I do not want to see them. I do not. (laughs) No. Nope. Nope. All right. I'm going to move on with a message from David. And David asks us a question that we do get asked every once in a while. He says, "Has have either of you fooled around with Cody? Spoilers. No, not recently. But I have my local media in Plex, but I am considering a switch. He goes on. He says, to me, Plex has become cluttered. And while it's able to tag most of my media correctly, There are some hiccups. While I don't expect 100% perfection, my 2019 World Series discs became some Asian anime series. (laughs) (laughs) This in and of itself is what it is, but what is particularly maddening is the difficulty or impossibility to fix this manually. Perhaps I'm missing something. Anyway, Cody is worth giving a try. Let me read that again. Is Cody worth giving a try or more trouble than it's worth. I've read reviews on both sides. Josh, when's the last time you used Cody? Oof, it's been a while. It's definitely been years since I've tried Cody. And I the last few times that I gave Cody a shot, the the experience was basically it is very powerful and you can customize it pretty much any possible way that you can imagine, but the default experience out of the box, to me, not the most pleasant thing to use ever. So didn't really want to go that route. Also for me, I run my Plex server 
on my NVIDIA Shield. I don't know if Cody can do that. I'm not running it on uh, on a, an always-on PC or an as device or anything like that. So I've not tried Cody. My recommendation to David would be give it a try. Why not? Like it, It's not like you have to choose one or the other and that you would have to like remove your Plex instance to give it a try. Give it a try and point it at your media. If you're worried about it potentially like overwriting files or whatever, then maybe copy a few of your movies, TV shows, whatever, to a separate folder or drive or something like that and just point Cody at those and see how it does. But there's really not much of a reason not to give it a try if you're interested. Except that it does take time, right? Setting these libraries up is a fair amount of effort. And we don't know necessarily what his family acceptance or household acceptance might be of switching to a new system like that. So I guess the one thing that I would suggest is, and I was trying to find it while you were talking, Josh, there is a way of forcing titles to be what you want them to be by providing the IMDB code or the, the, the movie DB code for specific content that you have. And I can't find it right now, but I know it's out there. And in fact, a listener suggested it to me when I was complaining about similar problems before. So this is something that I think you should consider. And I will try and find it so that we can include a link in our show notes. I, if it's, if that option only works based on like IMTV, the IM, the, yeah, IMDB and, and, and movie database uh id numbers and stuff that might not work for this particular situation when he's got the 2019 world series dvd maybe that is so i don't know it's not like it's that weird but it, it's it's not like the latest marvel movie no like, it, is it, that actually going to be in the database it might because the tv db and the movie db are kind of combined now so it does have a lot of tv content I, for example, was able to properly label a a, a, a a special that I had recorded, I don't know, what's it been now, like 10 years ago from William and Kate's wedding. <laughs> and it but this might wasn't be able to disc. find it on its own. Yeah, man, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. But it's worth a try. It's absolutely worth a try. Just like. Try now, Cody, if you've got the time. Let us know how, how it works out for you. All right, so let's jump into the news. Thank you to David and Gary for reaching out. If you'd like to send us some questions or feedback, all of that contact information will be at the end of the show. So the news, a lot of news over the last couple of weeks. First one, Netflix. They have been promising for months now that they were going to crack down on all of you password-sharing fiends out there. So they've done it now in, in the U.S. And the way that it works is they are basically keeping track of where your household is primarily using Netflix by looking at things like IP addresses of devices that are like TV-attached and 
considering that your home, and if it's regularly seeing other TV-attached devices elsewhere, it's going to go, mm, we think that you probably shared your password with somebody. <laughs> and if that's you, you may have already even gotten a message from Netflix by now about this. So you have a couple of options. First option is tell your freeloading brother-in-law to stop using your network's pa Netflix password and change the password. That, that sounds very personal, Josh. <laughs> That's actually just an example. My brother-in-law is not using my Netflix account. Um, it just seems fitting. The second option is you can start paying for your freeloading friends. And that's going to cost you $7.99 a month. And Netflix calls this adding an extra member to your account. The way it works is if you have either of the top two plans, the, the standard plan, which is $15.49 a month, or the premium plan, which is the one with 4K at $19.99 a month, you can add extra members. At, at that $15.50 a month plan, you can add one extra member. If you've got Netflix, Netflix premium, you can add two extra. Now, how much does this cost? Each extra member is $7.99 a month. That seems like a lot. <laughs> it does seem like a lot. Have they, as of yet, qualified what counts as household? Remember we were talking about the kid away at school scenario? Is that not considered household? I think the way that they're primarily going to uh, figure that out is if it's another TV attached device, like they know if you're playing from an Apple TV, they, they say that, you know, if you are on vacation and you're watching on your phone or something like that, that that's okay. But it's not super clear how they're distinguishing, like, I mean, if you take a Roku on vacation and plug it into the hotel for the weekend, they make it sound like that's okay. Well, not not even that, though. I mean, many hotels now, many rentals, Airbnbs or rentals like the house that I own, have TVs that have these services built in, and you temporarily log in there while you're on vacation to use your service. So how does that get tracked and not considered oh this is somebody who's not in your household? It it I I think I think they've accounted for that, but I this just still is really troublesome. Now I don't have anything wrong with this policy. I know people are angry about it. I don't have anything wrong with the policy at all. I just wish that all of this were more clear. And it doesn't feel to me like they've done a good job of explaining these sorts of, not loopholes, but use cases. Yeah, they they don't really clearly define it in, in their help setting. They do give some descriptions on how you can set and update your Netflix household. It It can only be done by a specific account holder, and it does that by emailing you. Uh, an auth an authorization code and link when you log in from a new place. So maybe if you were at a Verbo for a week, it's just going to ask you to update your household. And 
maybe that's not the worst thing ever. And then you have to do it again when you get home, or maybe you don't have to do it again. I don't know. So uh, on the pricing there, so it's $7.99 a month to add another member. That's a dollar a month more than standard with ads. I think they just want you to tell your freeloading friends to get standard <laughs> with ads. Yeah, but then right? they have to pay for it. They do have to pay for it, right? But are are you going to pay $8 a month extra to, to share your, your password with somebody else? I have never shared my password. Well, right. I, I don't believe in doing that. And and I, I don't think many people are going to be super interested in doing that. And if you're thinking, well, I'll just have them pay me the $8 a month extra. They'll buy me a dinner once a month or something like that because I don't want them to lose their profile. Well, Netflix has got you covered there too, my friends. Uh, you can convert a profile into a standalone account very easily. So if they've been sharing your password for the last decade, it's okay. They're not going to lose all of their history. They can just convert their profile off of your account into their own account that they pay for. Yeah, and we talked about that when they first rolled that feature out a couple months ago. They've been planning for this for a long time, and they ultimately want that person to become their own Netflix customer. That's the end goal here. And for sure, their trials in other countries, Spain, I think was the first, have proven that this actually works out. They did end up, some of their numbers went down, but overall their revenue went up. Yeah. And while the standard with ads plan cost less than adding uh, another member to your household, they probably actually earn more revenue because of the ad revenue. Oh, totally. All right. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. This feels, this doesn't feel bad. Like, this doesn't feel like Netflix trying to force more money out of people. This sounds like, frankly, a fairly generous solution to this problem. Yep. I agree. I don't have a problem with it. All right. We have talked about HBO. HBO whispers about password sharing. Be curious to see what they end up doing. Mm -hmm. Although they have this belief that by letting people share passwords, ultimately they're creating in the long run, long-term new HBO customers, but we'll see. So we have talked about HBO Max and Discovery Plus combining of a sorts into a new service called Max. It launched a week ago today. It launched on May 23rd. A week ago today as of the day that we are recording. So what does this mean? Well, of course, it's HBO, so it's not clean. You have your HBO Max app, and you're going to launch it. And if you haven't been in for a while, it's going to tell you, oh, you can't use this anymore. You need to download a different app. Why? Why did they have to do it that way? <laughs> Makes no sense to me. It is confusing some customers, not surprisingly. But what you need is the new Max app. You need to download it separately. It has a cool new logo that harkens the old O in HBO, and it includes the HBO stuff, the Discovery stuff, all the other things that are associated with those 
Warner properties, including content that you never had access before, access to before if you just had one of those services. So that's awesome. The other awesome thing is that it is much, much better than the old HBO app. It is better at tracking what you're watching and where you are in what you're watching. It is better at bookmarking things. No longer can you only bookmark a specific episode of a series you want to watch. You can now put the whole thing on your wish list. <laughs> and you can also put individual episodes on your wish list if you want to. It's that flexible. The one thing that I think they're going to get some flack about is that they went back to using their own player on Apple TV. Now, if you remember, we talked about how when they came out with the HBO Max app originally, one of the things that infuriated Apple TV customers was that they had their own player instead of using Apple's media player that's built in and designed for any video service provider to use. If you don't use it, then that means that some navigation capabilities on the Apple remote aren't going to work unless they program them in specifically. And it means that certain capabilities like using Siri to find, to ask, what did they say? To go back and turn the captions on for a couple seconds, they're not going to work. So how how they decided that it's a good idea to go back to this, they eventually took it out of HBO Max because so many people complained about it, but they have have reinstated it with a new Max app. So we'll see how long that lasts or maybe if they'll enhance it so that it does work with some of those Apple TV capabilities. Otherwise, I'm fairly happy with this and I can't complain about getting new content from Discovery Network's stuff that I never had direct access to. So I'm very happy about that. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for the extra insight into the new experience, especially on the Apple TV side. We did recently subscribe to HBO Max, but I haven't watched it in a couple of weeks, so I haven't really gotten any experience with the new app yet. Oh, you should totally let someone else in your family launch HBO Max and see what oh, happens. Man. Oh, boy. I don't think I want to make Jen angry. <laughs> Maybe also download the Max app. Just have it lower down on the list so it's not so obvious that it's already there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to another interesting story. This is from Comcast. Obviously, Comcast, like many of the other major cable TV providers out there struggling to keep their customers lately as more and more people ditch their cable subscriptions. Well, Comcast has something new they're trying, and it is what some people are calling a cable light streaming package. And what this does is it bundles 40 live TV channels, just like you would get on cable TV, and Peacock Premium, and 20 FAST channels. Remember, FAST stands for free ad-supported television. And gives you all of that for $20 a month as a streaming service. 
of course, the big question is, all right, so you said 40 live TV channels, which ones? I'm just going to run through some of the bigger ones that you might actually care about, not all of them. AMC, BBC America, Discovery, Food Network, Hallmark, HGTV, The History Channel, Lifetime, TLC, The Travel Channel, and The Weather Channel. You will notice, I didn't say a single sports channel. I did not say a single normal news channel. None of that. This feels like all of the channels that people put on is background entertainment while they're doing other things. (laughs) Yeah, the other thing that you didn't say is any major broadcast network. Oh, good point. Which is particularly interesting considering that Comcast is Universal is NBC. (laughs) That is a really good point. Yeah. So you're not going to watch Grey's Anatomy at night. You're not going to watch your local NFL football games on Sunday afternoons. None of that. It's pretty much just your background TV watching and Peacock Premium and 20 fast channels for $20 a month. Now, maybe that's enough. Like there are plenty of people who pretty much only watch, you know, HGTV and the travel channel, and they're paying $100 a month to their cable provider to do that. And if that's the case, here you go. $20 a month instead. Yep. Yep. There's one kind of important catch. Like this isn't just for anybody. You do have to be a Comcast Xfinity internet subscriber. So if you don't live in a place where your internet is provided through Comcast, you can't do this. So don't get too excited about that. But Comcast is one of, if not the biggest internet providers in the United States. So decent chance if you're listening to this, it is your provider. I like this option. I think it's an interesting way of trying something new. And and I think that this could work for a lot of people. It's not something that I would pay for. Like, I don't like Jen. These are the channels that Jen likes to watch. But even when I have subscribed to like Sling TV and YouTube TV in the past so that I could get access to sports, she has not gone back to watching these. So in our house, this sort of thing wouldn't happen, period. But I, I, it seems like this would work for some houses, yeah. right? Yeah, I would think so. It's interesting that they don't have a direct Apple TV app and you have to rely on AirPlay. It's also interesting. Well, it says Android powered devices. Do they have a Google TV app? I I really don't know. So I copy and pasted this from their press release. Yeah. And it says that it works on Xfinity Flex, which must be their cable box, Fire TV iOS and Android-powered devices, and via casting through Apple AirPlay and Google Chromecast. Now, the Apple TV is not technically an iOS-powered device, as you know. It right. is an Apple TV. It's a tvOS-powered TVOS, device. right. Yeah. So are we just being overly pedantic, or are they just not quite correct? And maybe it does. Maybe there is an Apple TV app and maybe no, there is an Android TV app. Yeah, I can't imagine their marketing people would let them get away with that. They they should know this stuff in today's digital world. So I think they're not there yet. They're probably testing it on these devices and they'll see if, in fact, it's going to get enough interest that then they'll look at Roku and things like that. Because that's the big one that's missing, right? Right. Yeah. 
Roku is the number one streaming device, and it ain't on this list. Do you think that they are thinking that the biggest users of this will not be using TVs? I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's a fascinating play to me. Now, what this reminds me of, and I don't know if you caught this. I think this was on last week's Cord Killers episode where they talked about WOW TV. And you had WOW as your provider, didn't you, at one point? No. No? Oh, okay. I know I thought you did, but Wow, which is a smaller provider in a, a specific region, I don't remember where exactly. I thought it was where you were, had apparently decided to migrate everyone from cable to a streaming cable service over internet service only. They were no longer going to provide internet boxes. I, I mean, uh, uh, cable boxes, which I thought was fascinating for a cable company. Yeah. Well, I I have to imagine there's some benefits to, to the company. Like it's probably yeah. got to be a lot less support. They don't have to invest in any more hardware. Right. Yeah. Other than expensive cable modems that they probably overcharge you for. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think this all makes sense. Like clearly people want to be able to stream access stream everything they 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 want it on their tv in whatever way is going to be easiest but they also want to have access to other things and so if you're going to get that easily through another service then great and you and i know and listeners of the show probably know that you've been able to do that as a cable subscriber for many many years yep by individually logging into every stinking channels app individually with your cable provider credentials. But to have all of it in one place is is the way that everybody actually wants it. So this is the way. This is the way. Apparently that's a Mandalorian reference that I don't get. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Richard. All right. So one more video story. And this one's actually about YouTube, not YouTube TV, just regular YouTube. And that is that they have announced that starting soon, in fact, it might already be happening because I think my daughter complained about this happening to her the other day, that they're going to start showing unskippable 30 second ads on TV devices. So not on your phone or your tablet or anything like that. But if you are watching YouTube on your TV, you will start getting 30 second ads that you're not going to be able to skip five seconds in. It's just going to be a 30-second ad. I'm confused. Isn't this the service that you pay for with YouTube so that you don't get ads? No, no, no. That, that's the way to get around it. So just the regular YouTube app. Oh, okay. Yes. Got it. So the way that you don't have to deal with this anymore, and the only legit way of dealing with this is by paying for something called YouTube Premium. And this seems like a service that people don't know very well. There's multiple features to this. So YouTube Premium gets rid of all ads. It also gives you ad-free YouTube music. And if you're watching YouTube on a mobile device, it allows you to download the videos that you're watching for offline playback. It's kind of a weird service because it's combining a whole bunch of different things 
And because of that, the price is higher than you're probably expecting. For just a standard YouTube premium subscription, it is $12 a month. If you want the family plan, it is $23 a month. And we're we're linking to an article over at 9to5Google it, it, it's more of an editorial, but I completely agree with it. Their, their idea is, in a world where we have unskippable ads in YouTube, this YouTube premium thing needs to be split up and straightened out so that it's just easier and makes more sense for people. I do not need YouTube music, and so I don't want to pay for YouTube music. I I will gladly give you a few dollars a month to not have to watch ads on YouTube. But $12 a month seems like a lot. Yeah. And really, I'd probably just want to do the family version because my whole family watches YouTube on all of their own devices. $23 a month is a ton to get that for everybody when the only feature I actually care about here is removing the ads. Make it a separate thing that I can pay a much lower amount for, and I will do that. I think the problem, though, is if if it just removed the ads, you could basically use YouTube as your YouTube music service without ads. And maybe that's why they've bundled them together. Well, sure, you could, but... Your library is limited to stuff that has videos and you basically have to DJ yourself as opposed to just, you know, the flexibility that a real music app gives you like YouTube music. Right. Although back in the day, like five years ago, YouTube was all the young people's primary music music app that people went to. Right. So. Right. Maybe that would come back again. I don't know. I, I This whole thing seems ridiculous to me. I'll deal with 30-second ads, but I'm only going to now watch ad, uh, watch content that I really care about. And I'm probably going to be a little bit more picky about it. Am I going to watch a 30-second ad to watch a music video? No. Maybe I'm just not going to watch music videos there anymore. I think they need to be really careful about this because I think they're going to put a lot of customers off. I don't mind watching an ad and keep in mind also it's Google. So they know what you care about. The ads are probably going to be interesting or relevant to you. And I will typically allow an ad to play if it's for something that, you know, like it's a, a, a content maker, not some big company that's put the content out there. I'll usually let it play because I want them to get the ad revenue. But when they start throwing two minute and 35 second ads in there, then I'm not going to play those. And I absolutely do skip those. So if it just keeps it at 30 seconds, I don't think that's horrible, but does that mean that every break is going to be 30 seconds? That every time there's one of those ad breaks in the middle of a sentence or word, it's going to be, 30 unskippable seconds? Yeah. They they're going to they're going to make a lot of viewers very unhappy. Yeah. I'm not paying yeah. for YouTube. I am not paying for YouTube. Period. I I am positive that my family 
watches YouTube more than anything else. More, probably more than anything else combined. If you don't include TikTok. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. And and that's and that's really just the kids. Uh because Jen and I don't well, I watch a little bit of YouTube now. Like I'm getting sucked into to the YouTube thing because there is like I am actually finding content that I care about on YouTube now, which seems a little weird to me. But hey, it's basically free. And up until this point, most of the ads have been skippable. So I've been okay with that. But even when you get multiple skippable ads back to back before watching something that annoys me. I'm like, really, really two of these before I get to watch what I want to watch. This is annoying for a 10 minute video, five minute video. Yeah. All right. So that, that is it for our video news. We will keep an eye on YouTube to see if they come up with a more reasonable solution to not having to watch ads on YouTube. We'll do another quick update story. We had mentioned back in March that Apple had finally released Apple Music Classical on uh, on iOS devices. They've now released it for Android devices. And oddly, that's before releasing it on iPad or Mac. And this this really has me wondering, Richard, am I the only one who primarily listens to music on a desktop computer? <laughs> No, I, I, well, hmm, interesting. I don't primarily listen to my music on a desktop, but I do, I do use Apple Music as a source of music when I am working at my desk. And I think it's that thing where I'm like on my computer. So why would I pick up my phone and have right. to cast it to something? When I can just play right on my computer, right? I, I don't know. I, I I feel like I rarely listen to music away from my desk, and maybe that's just because I'm such a podcast fanatic and and eBooks or audiobooks. I mean, but I would have just assumed that Apple Music Classical or yeah, Apple Music Classical would have been available on my Mac, but apparently it's not. I mean, it will be at some point, right? They will get to the point where they will have the Mac OS version of it available once they get the iPad version out. They'll just make something that's compatible with both. Right, right. So there you go. If you are an Apple Music subscriber who's using Android, which, I mean, there's got to be enough of them to warrant the apps, but that seems like a weird customer to me. Uh, now you can get Apple Music Classical on your Android device with an Apple Music subscription. All right, and one gaming story. I, I could go into the latest updates on the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition crap, but I'm so tired of it. It it's, <laughs> it's ongoing. More countries and the EU approved it, and uh, Act Activision and Microsoft are um, fighting the, the the UK's blocking of it. We'll keep you posted. Maybe in the next year, we'll have an actual Activision Blizzard <laughs> acquisition. So let's get on to real gaming news. Sony had a, a big event within the last couple of weeks for uh, PlayStation stuff. Tons and tons and tons of games showcased. Many, many, many of them are not PlayStation exclusives. We're not going to get into any of those games. 
I'm more interested in the interesting hardware they, they announced. The biggest one, they didn't even give us the name for. It's still the code name, Project Q. And it is essentially take an 8-inch tablet, now also take a PlayStation DualSense controller, cut it sort of in half, and take each half of the controller and slap it on the side of your 8-inch tablet. That's what the Q is. Now what can you do with it? Is it a Nintendo Switch competitor? Is it the next version of the PlayStation Vita? No. It is a device that will allow you to stream games from your PlayStation 5 on your local network. We don't even know if you could stream PlayStation Now games, which is their game streaming subscription service. <laughs> Not without sure if a, it'll even do that. Without a PS5. Without a PS5, right. And so this is a completely separate standalone device for streaming your PlayStation games inside your house that will for sure be at least $300, at least $300. But we don't know for sure any of the details or pricing. It's probably going to come out, you know, holiday this year. If you really want to stream your PlayStation 5 games in your house on a roughly eight inch device, or maybe like a six and a half inch device, or heck, maybe on like a 10 inch device. You can do that right now for far less money. You can get pretty much any Bluetooth controller, (laughs) pair it with the phone that you already have, and stream your PlayStation 5 to your phone. If that's not good enough, well, because you have to have the, the way that a PlayStation controller feels, there are PlayStation controller mounts for these things. There is also the uh, Razer Backbone 1 controller thingy, which has the expandable uh, clasp so that you can clasp it around your phone and it gives you a PlayStation style controller to do. Like, you can already do this. Why would you want to spend this much money on a device that might only allow you? to stream PlayStation 5 games in your house from your PlayStation 5 that you already own. And if you're thinking, but Josh, you got all excited about some of these other devices. Yes, they allowed you to stream lots of things, not just one console that I already have. Like, allow me to stream Xbox Cloud Gaming. Allow me to play Android games, because it's almost for sure going to be an Android tablet. But I'm not convinced that it's going to do any of that. It might only allow you to stream games from your PlayStation 5 in your house. And that seems ridiculous. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, this is not exciting to me at all. But it seems like a very expensive accessory. Yeah, a very expensive accessory. All right. Well, that is it for our, our gaming news. So... Richard, let's jump into what's going on in our entertainment centers. What's going on with you? Everybody might not know this, but I've been having lots of Wi-Fi problems. When we moved in this house a year ago, I installed the in-wall Unify controllers from Ubiquity. First time I've used them. And I'm running all that on my Synology. Had a Synology running our network in the old house. It was great. Used the old deprecated, ceiling-mounted access points, didn't have problems with it. New house, nothing but problems. Old house, long, extended, ranch-style property. This house, 
stacked, not compact, but stacked floors on top of each other that should be easier to reach with scattered access points around the house. And I've had nothing but problems for the last year. So I got fed up and I bought an Eero system from Amazon. I bought the Eero Pro 6E, the latest that you can get from them. Set it up this weekend. And the first thing I did, because one of the most annoying problematic things that we've had is Sonos speakers just dropping out constantly. And I have complained about Sonos over Wi-Fi being problematic. And it is not as good, if you will, as if you're actually running it through an Ethernet connection or through its own network with several of the devices on Ethernet. But it turns out when you have better Wi-Fi, it's pretty rock solid. (laughs) Within just the last two days since I set these hotspots up, suddenly when I airplay something to multiple Sonos speakers simultaneously, they all work properly. They're not dropping out constantly. And so things have been much, much more reliable. I have also converted a couple of my computers and laptops to that Wi-Fi, including this machine that I am recording on right now with you. And so far, so good. Still having a couple weird other problems, and I haven't converted everything over to the new Wi-Fi yet. I'm running Wi-Fi systems in parallel, which probably introduces its other own challenges into the mix. But I will report back to let folks know how I feel. And of course, what's relevant here is media. How is it working for media playback? And so far on Sonos, it's been great. Next up, I'll probably be switching the Apple TV. And that's our primary device for watching video content in the home. So we'll see how that goes. So you're running two Wi-Fi networks at the same time? Because we were coming into the new week and I have to have connectivity for work because I run daily, multiple daily video calls with my clients. I couldn't be like scrambling around dealing with having to hook up the old network again if the new one wasn't working absolutely properly with all the different things that I needed to do. And I, so, you know, the, the only thing I really could do was have the other one set up as a new network instead of having it impersonate my old network and having everything just kind of come on over to that new network automatically. It is, I think, going to be one of those things where I try a handful of devices of different types. And if they're all behaving properly, then I'll just go and rename it and set the password to my old network so that everything just comes on board. And then I'll switch the things that I had moved over back to the old uh, account that they used to know. So it's a cumbersome process and I have a new appreciation for all of the constant changes that um, people go through if they are not happy with their Wi-Fi and they they're trying different devices. You know, this is this is something that a lot of people have. I guess probably more techie geeks like us, but 
I know a lot of folks that have dealt with this issue, just trying to find the right thing that works in their house. Yeah, it is a lot of work. I I might need to be doing something like this in my house soon. My daughter, I think she's switched <laughs> to using like very long YouTube videos as her music, essentially, while she's trying to sleep. And her bedroom as a is at the corner of the house furthest from the access point. And if she has her tablet super close to her bed, sometimes the Wi-Fi isn't good enough there. <laughs> <laughs> so I I might be looking for something better for my own house soon. I don't know that I'm going to go quite to the extent of, of Eero, but yeah, I, I hope this continues to work well for you. I hope so too. All right. So what has been going on in the entertainment center? What have we been watching? So we finished our Penny Dreadful rewatch. I swear in the third season of that, every episode Edward and I watched, we were sitting there like, I don't remember this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where we were when we were watching the third season because we just don't remember any of it. I wonder if we just binged it and it just all kind of ran together. And we didn't remember the specifics because we watched it too quickly or something. I don't know. But I am so glad that we went and rewatched that. It's a great, great series. We have continued to watch new episodes of Last Week Tonight as they come out. I think he is on a break right now. Ted Lasso is coming up on its final episode of what will very likely be the final season. We still don't know yet. So I thought we knew that. I thought we knew for sure it was. I don't believe it's been confirmed yet. Okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't I don't think that it's been confirmed. The last few episodes I think have made up for the slowness of the first few in this season. Although I will say I am sick of hour and 20 minute long episodes. <laughs> I don't want that. Keep it snappy. The last The last couple have been okay. They're too long. They're too long. Anyway. All right. So we finished the Ghost series on CBS. The season finale was a couple weeks ago, and we watched that. There is a new season planned, which I'm happy about because it's a funny show. It's based on a BBC show, also called Ghosts, that is now available to us in the Max app. So we started watching that from the first episode. And interestingly, the first two episodes parallel almost not quite scene by scene, but (laughs) nearly character by character and storyline by storyline for each episode for how the show gets started. So I hope that they stray more than that and that it's not what we're seeing in the U.S. isn't just a retelling of the same stories, but we'll see. It's fine. It's good. I think we'll continue through. I finished watching The Book of Boba Fett, so The Mandalorian will probably be next in the Star Wars series for me. I've seen seasons one and two, but I haven't seen season three yet. I am tonight very likely going to watch the season and series finale of Better Call Saul. I have read, I have, uh, watched up to the next to last episode. So I just have that final episode to go. And that's been good. The season's been really good. I will say 
I don't understand why so many people are like, oh, it's the best television I've ever seen. It's so amazing. It's good. I enjoy it. Again, it's hour and 20 minute long episodes. So that puts me off a little bit. It's more that I want to invest in an episode of a TV show, but it's good. And I'm glad I went back and watched this final season. As far as what I've been listening to in terms of books, I finished The Picture of Dorian Gray. Really enjoyed that. Watched a grammar watch, not watch, <clears throat> listened to a book about grammar called Like Literally Dude. And <laughs> it is a book about how certain phrases or uses of words that most people can't stand have come to be and why they're used. The book is a little preachy because it's all about how language changes and how, for the most part, things that most people don't like, they don't like because of the class of people that started saying them, like dude. So <laughs> it's it, it it at some points feels like, okay, I get it. I get it. I should feel bad that I don't like this, but whatever. I still don't like it. And at the same time, you learn the history of it. And I thought it was fascinating. This was recommended by Mignon Fogarty, Grammar Girl. And she actually had the author of the book on her show talking about one of the topics that was in the book. So really enjoyed that. And then I started a book that I'm reading with some of my work colleagues called Start With Why. And it's a kind of business philosophy book about how you need to think about why you're doing something. And that's at the heart of how and what you do and is more important than the how and the what. It's pretty good. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah. Very good book. Simon Sinek's work. Uh, he's got a few books, I think. And I think Start With Why might have been his big like breakout success. Probably. It's yeah, a good one. Probably. It's very good one. And then movie-wise, we watched Dungeons and & Dragons and thoroughly enjoyed it. Watch the trailer. I'm not a drug, a, a drug, where did that come? A drunge, a drugan. I'm not a Dungeons and Dragons player. I don't really know much other than, you know, the jokes that they made about it on the Big Bang Theory, but it was a thoroughly enjoyable, fun movie. And I would recommend it if you're looking for a fun, themed action film, I would thoroughly recommend it. And also watched a completely opposite end of the spectrum, sad, weird, dysfunctional family movie called This Is Where I Leave You. I think it was through Apple TV, but I'm not exactly sure. And it was, um, it was good. I don't know that I would recommend it. It's not the movie that we expected it to be. The cast is phenomenal, but it was weird. And that's it as far as anything scripted. I have also been watching lots more laser engraving tutorials on YouTube. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> All right, now look up the ones where they're using it on their arm. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to see it. It has to exist.
do not want to see it. All right, that's it for me. Josh, what's going on in your entertainment? Well, this will disappoint you, Richard. I've barely played any video games lately. What? <laughs> it's life has just been too busy, you know, dealing with uh uh changes in bedtime routines and and other stuff around the house uh has left me to not really have a whole lot of like, you know, 9 p.m. video game time. Plus just May is just a ridiculous like if you have kids in school, May is just insane. Yeah, May, that makes sense. May is just second December. And just just without all, quite as much gift giving, although you're probably still buying gifts for teachers and bus drivers and all that sort of crap, too. Uh, so almost no video games over the last couple of weeks, uh, much to my friend's chagrin. Uh, a little bit of Ted Lasso. I think we're at least one episode behind and we're one episode behind on silo assuming that there was a new episode over memorial day weekend because we were traveling for that weekend also which also impacted me not being able to play games so uh that's it for watching stuff i haven't even watched any any hockey since the playoffs started um i'm i'm fitting the there, there is a cliche that hockey fans only watch the playoffs if their team is in it i always thought no, that's not me. It's apparently me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time in 16 years or something like that that the Penguins have not been in the playoffs, and I haven't watched a single playoff game. Now, part of that is me recognizing I don't have a whole lot of time right now, and two, watching the playoffs means signing up for something like Sling TV, YouTube TV, uh tv whatever because the games are only on espn so it would cost me extra money to watch these games that are not my teams so i don't know i still feel like i should be watching them because some of them have sounded really good but i haven't uh and then books i finished the second book in the ender's game sort of series it's called speaker speaker for the dead not speaker of the dead i think uh, by Orson Scott Card. It was fine. It wasn't the greatest. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Like it, it, it somewhat redeemed itself uh, in the end. I suppose <sighs> I had requested the third book in the in the series from the library. I got it today. Started listening today. It's again starting off in like I don't understand why we're starting here. Sort of spot. So. I'll give it a little bit more time, but it is a 20-hour audiobook, and if it doesn't get interesting soon, I think I'm done with the Ender's Game series, and I will go find other classic sci-fi that I should be reading. Hmm. And this is what? Just the second one? This is the third one. Oh, third one. Okay. Yeah. The th- yeah, the third one is called Xenos. I don't know. Something about killing off an entire alien race. Xena, whatever, doesn't matter. (laughs) So (laughs) Speaker for the Dead was was book two, Ender's Game is book one. Uh, So yeah, that's it. Like it has just been a crazy, crazy busy life for me that has not really been spent in front of my TV at all as much as I kind of wish there would be a little bit of time for that. Maybe this weekend, finally. All right, well, that's what's going on in our entertainment center's and that's pretty much it for the show. 
We mentioned at the top when we were reading some listener feedback that we'd give you all of the other ways of getting a hold of us at the end of the show. So we're on social media. I'm still on Twitter at Josh Pollard. The website's at DigiMediaZone. Uh, Richard and I are both on Mastodon. Uh, Josh Pollard and Richard Gunther over there. And uh, Richard also has another podcast. In fact, he has a new episode out. Well, today, as we're recording this, uh, his show, Home On. Richard, do you want to tell us about the latest episode of Home On? Finally. I finally got the episode that I recorded with YouTuber Dustin Boggess, the host of My Home Kid Home. We had a great discussion about accessibility in the smart home. He shared all kinds of examples of ways that he uses products and different product categories to help him live and exist in his home and workspace. And I thought it was fascinating. It, it, it was incredibly fascinating. Like if, if you are not visually impaired or close to someone who is, he, he's gonna give you all sorts of things that, that will just blow your mind. Like, Oh my gosh, I never even would have considered that that's a thing that visually impaired people have to figure out a solution for. Yeah. Uh, it was really interesting, really interesting episode. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, that is going to do it for episode 620. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.